done something that was dumb and you knew it was dumb but you did it anyways you know what's great about this service is more people laughed about that at this service than any others so you guys are you guys are have done some dumb things apparently <laughs> and then the problem though is you is you come home and your mom or your dad or your spouse finds out and they say to you, hey, why did you do that dumb thing? And then you make the mistake of responding, well, everybody else was doing it. And then what do they say to you? If everybody jumped off the bridge, would you jump with them? Or as my mom would say, if everybody was jumping off the Golden Gate Bridge, for some reason I remember the Golden Gate Bridge prominently in my childhood, would you jump with them? And of course I say, well, no, I'm dumb, but not that dumb, right? I mean, that's just crazy, crazy dumb. But it's interesting, isn't it? The allure of doing what the crowd is doing, of wanting to be part of the group. If everybody around you is doing it, you almost feel like you have to do it as well, right? Now we're going to be reading a story in the scripture um, in 1 Samuel chapter 8 where the Israelites kind of have that same pull. They want to be like everybody else around them. And we're going to find out how that turns out for them. But then we're going to talk about how that applies to our lives today. And in fact, it really applies to some of the news I think you might have read uh, this past week. And then in your bulletin, you've got a card, and I'm going to be asking you to respond in a way to that card. But let's look at what the Israelites wanted to be like. It's 1 Samuel, and it's chapter 8. And this is a great story from the Old Testament. It says, As Samuel grew old, he appointed his sons to be judges over Israel. Joel and Abijah, his oldest sons, held court in Beersheba. But they were not like their father, for they were greedy for money, and they accepted bribes, and they perverted justice. Okay, so you see what's happening here. This is a problem. The nation of Israel is in trouble. Samuel was good, but his sons are bad. So what's the right thing to do here? Well, I think obviously the right thing to do would be to go to Samuel and say, hey, your sons are bad. So let's take this to God and let's pray about this to what we can do. And, and the Israelites get this half right. Verse 4, it says, Finally, all the elders of Israel met at Ramah to discuss the matter with Samuel. Look, they told him, you are now old and your sons are not like you. Give us a king to judge us like all the other nations have. Now this is a big deal, right? They tell Samuel, hey, your sons are bad. But instead of saying, so let's pray about this, they say, you know what? We don't need to pray about this. We want a king. We've never had a king before, but we want a king. Why? Because all the other nations have a king. They want to be like everybody else. So it says that Samuel was displeased with their request, and he went to the Lord for guidance. Do everything they say to you, the Lord replied, for they are rejecting me, not you. They don't want me to be their king any longer. 
Ever since I brought them from Egypt, they have continually abandoned me and followed other gods. And now they're giving you the same treatment. Do as they ask, but solemnly warn them about the way a king will reign over them. So here's what's important. God is not surprised by this. This is what the Israelites have been doing ever since he rescued them from Egypt. So this is no surprise, but here's the neat thing. God says, you know, let them do this, but before, warn them. So he's given them an opportunity here. He's going to warn them of what it's going to be like if they actually have a human king. And I think in the hopes that they will say, that's not very good, and they'll change their mind. So Samuel passed on the Lord's warning to the people who were asking him for a king. Now, now listen to how a king is going to treat these people. This is how a king will reign over you, Samuel said. The king will draft your sons and assign them to his chariots and his charioteers, making them run before his chariots. Some will be generals and captains in his army, and some will be forced to plow in the fields and harvest his crops, and some will make his weapons and chariot equipment. So do you see what just happened here? They're being told that if they choose a human king, they're going to have to give up their sons. Now, I've got four daughters. I'll get to that in a minute. But those of you who are here today who have sons, would you just want to give them up? Then he goes on, he says about the daughters. He said, the king will take your daughters from you and force them to cook and bake and make perfumes for him. So this king's going to take their sons and his king's going to take their daughters. Then he will take away the best of your fields and vineyards and olive groves and give them to his own officials. He will take a tenth of your grain and your grape harvest and distribute it among his officers and attendants. He will take your male and female slaves and demand the finest of your cattle and donkeys for his own use. He will demand a tenth of your flocks. So he's going to take your sons. He's going to take your daughters. He's going to take your stuff. He's going to take everything. Then this classic line. And... And you will be his slaves. So not only is this king going to take everything, but these free people are now going to become slaves. When that day comes, you will beg for relief from this king that you are demanding. But then the Lord will not help you. So now imagine yourself as one of these Israelites. And you've just been told that this is what's going to happen if you choose a human king. You're going to lose your sons and your daughters and your stuff and you're going to be slaves, no longer free. That does not sound like a great deal, does it? But the people refused to listen to Samuel's warning. Even so, they said, we still want a king, they said. We want to be like the nations around us. Our king will judge us and lead us into battle. So Samuel repeated to the Lord what the people had said. And the Lord replied, do as they say and give them a king. Then Samuel agreed and sent the people home. All right, let's stop here. What in the world is going on? Why do these people want a king, a human king 
over God. I mean, with God, they're undefeated, right? God has won every battle. God has brought them out of Egypt, and yet they still want a human king. Why? Well, there's two big reasons, and we know the first one because you've heard them say it several times. They want to be like the other nations. They want to be like everybody else. God wants them to be set apart. God wants them to stand out. God wants them to be holy, but they just want to fit in. I mean, it's hard, right? It's hard to stand out. It's hard when you don't fit in. It can be lonely. People can make fun of you. They can mock you. They can persecute you. The Israelites didn't want that. They wanted to be just like everybody else. Now there's a second reason why they wanted a king. And we kind of get a glimpse of this in the last part of this section. In verse 20 they say, Our king will judge us. Now this is important because they're thinking, you know, if a king judges us, if a human judges us, we can get away with more stuff. I mean, if God is the judge, God sees everything. You can't hide stuff from God. So these people wanted to be able to do what they wanted to be able to do. You ever have that desire? They wanted to choose what they wanted to choose. They didn't want to do what God wanted them to do. So they are basically trying to distance themselves from God. Kind of create what I call a, a, a bubble. Some safe space. Keeping God at a distance. I mean, they still wanted to believe in God. But they wanted to be like everybody else. And have the freedom to kind of do whatever they wanted to do. Now, why does this matter today? Well, it should sound familiar, doesn't it? I think there are a lot of Christians in the world today that are doing this right now. And maybe some of you here today. You've given your life to Jesus. Check. You're going to heaven. Check. You go to church occasionally. Check. You read the Bible occasionally. Check. You call yourself a Christian. Check. But is Jesus the king of everything in your life? No. He's the king of the parts that, you know, you don't care about so much. But the parts where you want to do what you want to do, you want to make your own choices, you want to go against what God wants you to do, then you don't make Jesus the king of that area. You make yourself the king. That way you can say, I got all the bases covered. I'm just like everybody else. I'm not standing out in a crowd. I'm free to do what I want, and I'm going to heaven. Whew, it's all good, right? The Christian bubble. So what's wrong with that? Is there anything wrong with that? Well, I think there are three big things wrong with that. And so if you're sitting here today and you're saying to yourself, you know what? Yeah, that's what I'm doing. I mean, I've made Jesus my Savior, but he's not the king of everything. I'm, I'm in control of some stuff still because I want to be free. I want to be like everyone else. Why does this matter today? Well, here's the first thing. Folks, if you're in that bubble, you're not really free. You're not really free. John chapter 8, verse 31 says, To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, 
If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And they answered him, We are Abraham's descendants, and there have been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? And Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. So did you hear that? We have this desire to be free, and we think that being free is being able to make our own decisions, but that's not really being free, is it? We are free when we make Jesus the king of everything in our lives. When we don't, there are areas in our life where we sin, and when we sin, we become a slave to that sin. Let me give you some examples. We talk about this a lot where we need to make Jesus the king of our finances. That's a big deal, right? But how many people are in slavery right now because they want to be the king of their own finances, and so they purchase things on credit that they couldn't afford, and now they're trying to pay bills, and now they're in collections, and they're not free. Let me give you another example. A lot of Christians tend to get rid of the the big things. They learn how to behave right. But some of the little things kind of get them. For instance, I think a lot of Christians struggle with a critical spirit. They become judgmental. Jesus is not the king of their heart. So they think negatively about people. They judge people. They become bitter. They become crotchety. They become stiff. Not very loving because Jesus is not the king of their heart and so they become a slave to that sin of a critical spirit so that's the first problem we really don't have freedom and here's the second problem we really don't have an impact on the world if you are living in the bubble trying to keep Jesus at a distance making him just king of a few things and not everything you can't impact the world around you 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 says, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. You're supposed to be declaring God's goodness because God has brought you out of the darkness. He has put you in the light. He has set you apart so that you can shine for him. The problem is, if you're not set apart, if you're just going along with the world and there's not really a lot of difference in you and the world, guess what? You have no impact. And folks, we are living in a world today that desperately needs the impact of Jesus Christ. If you were reading the news this past week, you saw two very prominent people commit suicide this week. Anthony Bourdain and Kate Spade. Two very well-known people. The USA Today did an article where they said that the suicide rate in this nation has risen 25%, making it a national crisis. But what's really disturbing to me is as you read these stories, you see a world that's almost like, well, that's an option, isn't it? That's okay. That's that's a person's choice. 
It's not. Jesus is the king, right? Jesus needs to be the king of that decision. So there are people in the world today that they don't have hope. Folks, we can give them that hope, right? If we're set apart. If Jesus is the king of everything. We can give them that hope. We can tell them there's another way. We can tell them about a savior. We can show them how to get through the difficult times in life, but only if we're set apart. And then here's the third thing that I think is a problem with having that bubble. If you live in a bubble, if you keep your distance from Jesus, then you don't really honor Jesus. Philippians chapter 2, verses 9 through 11, it says, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. We talked about this on Memorial Day weekend. And we said that Jesus is the one that really truly deserves his own parade. Folks, Jesus is the only one that deserves to be worshipped and to be honored. And we do that by making him the king of everything. When you say to Jesus, you know what? Thanks and all, but I've got this covered. Are you bringing him honor? No. It's actually dishonoring. to say, Jesus, I appreciate all you did, but I really don't need you. Jesus, thanks a lot, but I want to do what I want to do. So, what are our next steps this morning? Well, in your bulletin, you have a card with a crown on one side. And if you flip it over, it gives you a little space. Because maybe while we were talking, God was telling you, you know what? You've made me the king of all these different things, but you have not made me the king of this part of your life. You have not made me the king of your marriage. You have not made me the king of your family. You have not made me the king of your relationships. You have not made me the king of your career. Whatever it is, I want you to pop that bubble today and write in that blank where you need to make Jesus that king. Maybe you need to write more than one thing in that blank. That's okay. But make Jesus the king today. Stop doing what the world is doing. It's not giving you freedom. It's taking away your freedom. When you go along with the world, it's taking away your ability to impact. And when you go along with the world, when you're jumping off that bridge with everybody else, you're not honoring God. And he deserves our honor. Make Jesus the king of everything. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pray this morning, I want to pray right now, for anyone who is here today, Lord, that's struggling. Lord, maybe they haven't even realized that they've created that bubble in their lives, that they've kept you at what they considered a safe distance because they wanted to do the things they've wanted to do. They didn't want to go your way. They wanted to do them their way. They thought they were having their freedom but they're actually losing it. Or maybe there's someone here today, Lord, and they're like, you know, I don't have much of an impact on the world, and they're realizing that the reason they don't have an impact is because they're just like the world. They call themselves a Christian, 
But there's no difference between them and someone who's not a Christian. And Father, maybe there's someone here today that's recognizing today that they're not really honoring you with their life. Father, whatever it might be, I pray that they pop that bubble and then make a decision today to make you the king of everything in their lives. And Father, we ask this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.